Welcome to the Brain Gain Youngstown Leadership Series Podcast. Each week, we'll learn from leaders who are driving change and making an impact. Now here's your host, the CEO of the Youngstown Publishing Company, Jeff Leo Herman. Thank you for joining us here on the Brain Gain Youngstown Leadership Series Podcast. And we are proud once again to bring you another Navigators Tour. And I am joined by Jeremy Lydic. Can I say extraordinaire again, Jeremy? Content manager extraordinaire? Sure. Okay, so Jeremy Lydic here on the team, really running these Brain Gain Navigators programs. And we're going to share another great Navigators event, Careers in the Legal Field. So Jeremy, tell us about uh, about what we're going to hear today. This was a really cool uh, tour. All of our tours are great, but this one was really special uh, because we got the opportunity to... Uh, present students with a snapshot of legal careers beyond what maybe they're thinking of when they think of a legal career. Uh, when you look at some of the more popular dream jobs that students uh, look at or they think of, uh, lawyer is obviously a top one, judge becomes a top one. Uh, but what students maybe don't always realize is there's a number of careers in the legal field that are still good jobs. Uh, you can make a nice long career out of it. Uh, and they don't, they're not lawyers or judges. Uh, so what we did was we went to the Youngstown Municipal Court and we spoke with Judge Carla Baldwin and she took us around a tour of her office and introduced us to some of her staff, including her chief bailiff, as well as her probation officer. Um, and of course, uh, Judge Baldwin, you know, being a former prosecutor herself uh, and current sitting judge, uh, presiding judge at the Youngstown Municipal Court, uh, she was able to speak to those career paths as well. But it was really a really cool opportunity to present the full spectrum uh, of opportunities of careers in the legal field to the students for this particular tour. This tour, Jeff, is our second one, and we had just about 300 students and educators registered to participate in this. That's huge. It is huge. And that just kind of tells me that as we do these navigators events more and more, we're going to be seeing more numbers and the feedback has been absolutely incredible. Uh, we had a great turnout uh, and no, in no, no small effort to the, to our partners, Mahoney County Educational Service Center, Junior Achievement, Mahoney County drew a lot of great individuals, uh, as well as our mentorship groups, Inspiring Minds and Warren, YWCA Mahoning Valley, uh, United Way Young Women's Mentorship Group, uh, Boys and Girls Club, Youngstown. What was really special about this event, Jeff, is once you get to the actual conversation, because we're going to play the tour you're going to hear the tour. You're going to hear the interviews. But when you get to the actual conversation that Judge Baldwin had with the students, the engagement from the students was I didn't have to do anything. Oh, that's it was beautiful. fantastic. The students right. did my job for me. They right. all it, we, in fact, there were so many questions. We didn't even get to all the questions. So we're going to have to uh, take care of that after the fact. But uh, they were very engaged, very inquisitive. Uh, and it turned out to be a really fantastic conversation. Jeremy, this tour sounds great. I would recommend if you like what you hear and you want to share this tour, uh, not only do we have it here on the podcast feed, but there are videos. Uh, there's a full recording of the tour on our YouTube channel. 
and on our website. And I would most likely recommend you go to businessjournaldaily.com, go to the Brain Gain Navigation, right to the right of news, drop down, and you'll see our entire Brain Gain section. Navigators is right smack in the middle. And if you want to share a YouTube recording of the tour, that's the best way to do it. There, there's obviously MCCTC there. There's the uh, Legal Careers Tour. And we have several more exciting tours coming, but you'll have to keep coming back to find out who they are. That's Sound right. good? All right. Well, welcome to the tour. Thank you so much. I just want to welcome everyone to Brain Gain Youngstown Navigators. My name is Jeremy Lydic. I'm content manager with the Business Journal. And today we're going to be exploring careers in the legal profession. I'm excited to first introduce you to Judge Carla Baldwin, who is administrative and presiding judge at the Youngstown Municipal Court. Good afternoon, Judge. I'm so happy to be here with you, Jeremy. Happy to have you. So a little bit later, you're going to hear from Judge Baldwin, and she is ready to answer any questions you might have. So be thinking about what you want to ask. But for now, I'm going to play a video for you where our team visited the Youngstown Municipal Court, spoke to some of the folks who work there, including Judge Baldwin. Uh, we put together a nice video. So sit back, relax, enjoy the video, and we'll see you again in just a few minutes. to my mother and said, Mom, I know what I want to be when I grow up. And she said, what's that? I said, I want to be an attorney and I want to be a model. And I always tell students that it's not because I thought I was the prettiest thing in the world. I literally read the description that said, travel the world and people take pictures of you. And then you get paid to argue with people and think and read. I, I love it. I think I can do both. And she said, babe, she was much nicer to me then. She said, babe, I think you only have time to do one. Being a prosecutor specifically, prosecutor is the only, only attorney in the courtroom with a burden. When we walk in the court, when we walk in for trial, we are telling the jurors that we believe that we can prove every element of this case beyond a reasonable doubt. When you're having conversations and plea negotiations, it is so important that you are trustworthy and have a good character and are just not a jerk. Don't be rude, don't be mean. I tell people all the time, especially when I speak with students and I miss going to speak to students in person, it costs you nothing to be kind. You're always doing work, you're talking to detectives, you're talking to your patrol officers who first responded on the scene you're speaking with victims. You're trying to make sure you have all of the information possible because when a case is filed, the standard for a case to be filed is probable cause, which means more likely than not, you, we think you did it. But then to prove it at trial, you have to prove every element of the offense beyond a reasonable doubt so that there is no doubt that would be considered reasonable in the mind of a juror to believe that you committed this offense. And so that's such, that's the highest burden under the law. And so it takes a lot of time and diligence and attention to make sure you can meet that with every case. It's import, so important that we don't forget the humanity 
that's involved in this process because we're dealing with the life and liberty of human beings. And sometimes if you get so, so in the habit of just doing this out of turn, that you forget what a great consequence, even if appropriate, it is for the person who may go to prison, may go to jail. And so English, history, I'm a big fan of. Anything that requires critical thinking, debate is great. Because if you can become comfortable with sticking to the facts, it can't be personal. If you're good at math and science and you know how to break things down, that wasn't my thing, but I respect all, all, all those individuals who excel in that arena, but you know, you're English majors, you're, you just have to, you have to want to do this. And if you wear the robe, if you're an attorney who wants to practice and really interact with individuals, you have to have a heart to do it. Because the, the saying, people for, will forget what you said, they will forget what you did, but they will never forget how you made them feel. So I'm in charge of the service bailiffs, um, so their jobs are to um, go out and serve subpoenas, court dates, um, eviction notices, um, and they also conduct evictions. The clerk's office and the municipal court work hand in hand, um, so it was actually probably good training to start in the clerk's office. Um, I got to see that side of, you know, where the people come down and they pay their fines and, you know, we process the paperwork from the court and then now I'm on the other side of it where less, I'm kind of not working so much with the people and the fines and the money, but I still get to um, kind of deal with the other side of it, the court side, you know, how they do the paperwork, you know, comes from the judge, what needs to go down and kind of like the, the timely manner that everything takes place. I actually got my bachelor's degree in business administration. Um, Again, I took my internship down in the clerk's office, and since then I've been enrolled in the court administration uh, program through the Ohio Supreme Court. So those are also some really good uh, tips that, you know, if you're looking to get into the field, you may want to look into. Probably look more in the criminal justice side. Business also helps as well. Um, and then if you, you know, if you're out there to kind of want to help people, this is a good profession to be in because, um, you know, you always need your, your doctors and your lawyers, but you need people to help you within the court as well. So it's also a good uh, job to look into. Our team consists of four probation officers, a pretrial services officer, and an administrative assistant. So day to day, we do probation supervision, which is we uh, work with offenders who are sentenced by the court to a term of probation. We make the appropriate referrals to any agencies mental health, substance abuse, employment, anything that the offender might need to get back on track. I started my journey and I wanted to be a lawyer. And now that I've done probation, I can't see it any other way. This is where I'm meant to be. I'm meant to help people and that's all. So if you want to help people, then I recommend that you be a probation officer. I think you need to be an easygoing person. You need to be someone who doesn't escalate situations. You need to have think outside the box type of person so that you can help those that are in a situation where they can't help themselves. If you have, we have people that have called two years later and said that you've made a difference in my life and I just want you to know that I'm clean 
because of you. So that's the most rewarding. I love the law. I love learning. I love people. And I'm just thankful that I found a profession where I can mix all of those together and come to work every day. And it doesn't feel like a job because I love what I do. I love the people I work with and I love the impact that we're having in the city of Youngstown. The Brain Gain is a collaborative effort and we'd like to thank our headlining sponsors, including Farmers National Bank, Sweeney Chevrolet Buick GMC, the Mahoning Valley Manufacturers Coalition, and Southwoods Health. Also included are Eastern Gateway Community College, PNC Bank, the Moransky Companies, the Mahoning County Career and Technical Center, the Youngstown Business Incubator, Simon Roofing, the DeBartolo Corporation, Youngstown State University, and Junior Achievement of the Mahoning Valley. So at this point, I will open the floor to the participants. Uh, again, if you have questions, you can type them into the Q&A box uh, at the bottom of the screen or uh, click the raise hand icon and you can ask the question uh, if you prefer. Um, I don't see any questions yet. So what I'll do is I got a couple icebreakers here. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> Judge, uh, so we covered a lot in that video and obviously there's a lot more uh, that we discussed um, and those videos will be dropped on the website. Um, throughout the next few weeks, but could you just kind of sum up for us, um, why should someone consider a career in law? I think there are so many good things that involve the law. You can help, the, you can help people and law doesn't have to be the criminal cases that I hear on a regular basis. There are attorneys for just about everything. If you want to help start a business, learn how to write good contracts. So that both the business owner and, and the contractor are protected. You might wanna go into business law if you are interested in making sure that companies uh, follow the appropriate standards for employing people because there's employment law, just to make sure that people are in safe environments and things are happening as they should be. And so there are people who, attorneys who represent companies and companies who represent employees when something is alleged to have gone wrong. But while I love the law, and I've always been fascinated by criminal law, and it, it's just my thing, but I, I love that you can interact with people. And whether you are a defense attorney or a prosecutor, everybody's goal is justice, uh, to make sure that the right thing happens. And we look at it from different perspectives, but you can really help turn lives around, like you heard Melinda mention earlier. Uh, people come in here, and they're not happy to see me. And I tell them all the time, I don't issue invitations. But once you're here, then I take make it my responsibility to do everything I can and do everything the court can to help an individual not stay in this cycle and, and to get out of it and hopefully better than when they enter the court's doors. Great. And uh, I do see a, a question from one of our attendees. Uh, okay. Where do you start in undergrad for your law degree? Well, you can really start with anything. Uh, that's the great thing. You can... That's why I said earlier, you know, in the video clip, critical thinking is huge, being able to express yourself effectively, to communicate well. So I, I went to school with individuals who majored in, I went to law school with individuals who majored in architecture and social work 
Um, I even went to school with an anesthesiologist. So there was a doctor who always wanted to be an attorney. So he came to law school. So pretty much you can do whatever you wanna do in undergrad. I promote you doing something where you can go and get a job just in case there may be some time between undergrad and law school where you may wanna work for a couple of years. You wanna make, may wanna break from classes and teachers and homework. So accounting is a good one. Uh, social work is a great one. Criminal justice is a, a thriving field right now and it looks very different than it did 10 to 15 years ago. So anything you wanna do, you can do. You just have to make sure you keep the grades. You can get good letters of recommendation because you've shown yourself to be a great student. And then you make that application you take the LSAT, which is the law school admission test. You get a good score on that. And law schools will be, be beating down your door to have you as a student in their, in their facility. All right. The next question is from Linda Fries. And uh, Linda, I'll go ahead and you should be able to ask your question now. She still appears muted. Oh, there she is. Okay. This is actually from one of my students, Gabby. Go ahead, Gabby. Okay. Is there a physical fitness test to become a police officer? There is a physical fitness test to become a police officer. That's a good question, Gabby, because you have to be able to, you might have to chase somebody down. And so you have to be in good health. So yes, there is a physical fitness test to be a police officer, not to be an attorney. Okay, good question. Great question. Um, uh, what, uh, this is from Jalea Provit. Uh, what is the hardest part about being a judge? Hello, Miss Jalea. I know Jalea, so it's good to, 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 to hear your name virtually. Uh, the hardest part is making decisions about people's lives. That really is the hard part because when I was a prosecutor, I was making recommendations, but now I am the final decision maker. So having to sit in judgment of someone else and determine whether or not they get to go home. And if they get to go home, what conditions do they go home under are pretty huge. And I don't make those decisions lightly. So absolutely making decisions and sentencing people are the hardest part of the job. What advice would you give someone who might be interested in becoming a judge or a lawyer? Well, you're gonna to wanna to study hard. You're gonna really wanna know the law. You wanna make sure you like people. I can't stress that enough. This is a very hard job because you're dealing with people. And even doing what I love, sometimes you want people to make decisions for themselves to make their lives better and they won't. And you have to learn not to date that person either. So I would say you need to love people. You, you really do because I've wanted to be a judge since I was 12, but I've yet to encounter an, an individual who said, I wanna be a defendant when I grow up. So you have to recognize that people just don't happen to appear in front of, court, in the, in front of a judge something has happened. Um, oftentimes some trauma that's been unaddressed, a bad moment, a mental health issue, a substance use disorder that brings them in front of the court. So number one, you gotta love people because you have to want to get them into a better spot than where they are now. And then you need to be nice and, and have a good relationship with the people that you engage with both on the court staff and those uh, attorneys because it just makes things better when there's a a relationship of trust, when people can trust what you say, trust who you are. And then you got to work really hard because it's a hard job. The laws are always changing. So there's a lot of education that I still go through, even though I graduated ooh, in 2008, January of 2008, I graduated from law school. But as a judge, I'm required to get 40 hours of continuing education every two years. 
So the learning never stops. So you have to want to learn. You have to want to love the law. You have to be kind and you have to have a, a heart for people. That would be my, my thoughts on that one, Jeremy. Okay. And uh, Linda, I've permitted you to talk again. I turned that on. Do you have another uh, student uh, to ask yes, a question? I have, yes, I have another student, Jeremy, who has a question. Um, Fire away. If you want a judge, what would you want to be? If I weren't a judge? Mm -hmm. Yes. Wow, that is a great question. What's your name? I'm Sophie. Hi, Sophie. Okay, Sophie, if I wasn't a judge, I would probably want to be a law school professor or a legislator. I would want to be the one to help make good laws, or I would want to be the one to teach students about the law. Thank you. That was a great question. We have another one. Question. Okay. Sure. All, All right. right. Shelby. Uh, what is the most memorable, memorable memorable case that you have had? The most memorable case? That's a great question, Shelby. I, I think for me, I have, I'm blessed to, in addition to just hearing my regular court cases, the, my court has two special dockets. So we have a veterans court docket. So anybody who has served in the armed forces who finds themselves with a criminal case in this court, who has a substance use or mental health disorder can apply to come into veterans court. And so what we do is we provide them with a team of people who help get them stabilized and, and well and substance free. And I had a, a, a nice man on, on my docket who was a veteran and he wanted to be on the docket and he had some trouble following the rules before he came on the docket. But I had the pleasure of watching him go through the program, Shelby, and he just blossomed. He was like a totally different person. He stopped using drugs. He started to engage more with his family. He was working regularly. And then when he graduated, he was almost in tears, thanking me and thanking the team who works with me to pull this program off. And he said, this experience, and mind, mind you, he had grown kids, so he was an older gentleman. This was the first time anybody had told him that he was good at something and he had good things about him and he had the possibility to do good things in the world. He had never heard that before his entire life. So that moment I will never forget because that's why I'm here, to help people be better than when, when, they first, when I first met them. So that's the most memorable moment. Thank you, Shelby. Wow, Thank you. That's a great story. I have two other students. Can we ask two more questions? I'm good with it. I'm here, Jeremy. We're okay with that? Sure. Uh, we'll take, uh, let's take the those two and then I'll move on to some others. We got a pretty big list. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Go ahead. Did you have a teacher that helped you or pointed you to the career you are in today? Oh, and what's your name? Malia. Malia. I had so many good teachers, but I think the individual, uh, my mother was a principal. And so she just supported me. I had so many great teachers who supported me along the way. Uh, my, my Spanish teacher in high school actually introduced me at graduation and she just believed I could do anything that I set my mind to do, but so many did. But wanting to become an attorney, I'm gonna credit my father. He says I don't credit him enough, so I'm going to give him a shout out today. 
he used to be a probation officer, uh, like Melinda, who you saw on the video. So when I was growing up, he was a probation officer in this very court. And he helped a lot of people change their lives. So he was my greatest inspiration in that respect. And then I give kudos to Mrs. Baxter for being an awesome supporter all throughout my high school career. Okay, go ahead, Jocelyn. This is Jocelyn. Hi, Jocelyn. Hi. Um, how long does it take to become a police officer? Well, I don't know the specifics, but you do have to go the, to the police officer training academy. So they do have that at Youngstown State. So my security officers who work here at the court to keep us all safe, many of them have graduated from the, the, the police academy at Youngstown State. So it may be a year or so, but I'm not sure. It, but it does take some, some specific training. Uh, another one of our attendees asks, uh, her name is Olivia, and how many hours do you work in a typical day? Olivia, uh, I'm here uh, between eight and four. Those are the court's hours. And then I'm kind of on call. So my phone never, I don't ever get to turn it off because there are situations and emergencies that happen. And so I'm always accessible to the jail if something goes on with an inmate uh, to the prosecutor's office if something comes up. If police officers need a warrant signed, then I'm available 24 seven. So my typical business hours are eight to four, but my phone is always on. I've signed a search warrant outside of a church going into a wedding. I've answered questions from the jail um, on the weekend and had emergency situations pop up all throughout the week. So eight to four, typically Monday through Friday, but my phone is always on and I'm always on call. Very good. And now we have uh, Denasia Coleman. Uh, you can go ahead and ask your question now. Hello. Hello, my Denasia, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm good. That's good. My question is, how do you not get attached to very sensitive cases? Oh, you get attached, but you have to learn, and it's a hard thing, you have to learn to compartmentalize. So my job is, my goal every day is to leave my own personal issues at the threshold when I come into work every day and then take on completely the responsibility of this office, of this seat that I sit in. And then I try to help everyone as best as I can and, and give everything I have while I'm here. And then I try to leave that here because I will be able to pick it up again tomorrow um, when I come back. So it's hard, but I work with a team and I always say I do the least amount of lifting. I have a phenomenal team here, our probation department, our administrative office, they do a great job. And then we have a lot of community relationships. So when those emotional cases happen, thankfully, I have an abundance of resources that I can plug into to provide assistance. And sometimes Denasia, it just hurts. In some cases are just heavy and, and, and you go through it and you grow through it and you learn how to, to handle it better each and every day. Uh, Judge Rayanne uh, has more questions. She wanted to know uh, if you had any law school recommendations and how long until you can actually become a judge once you start your journey. Okay. Law school recommendations, I would say look at, look at where you want to live. A lot of people go to law school where they want to actually practice. And I went to school in Michigan. Uh, I thought I thought I was going to end up going to North Carolina because I really thought God wanted me to work somewhere where it was nice and warm most of the time. But uh, mm -hmm. I ended up back here in Ohio. 
So number one, I would, I would say go to school somewhere where you may want to live and actually practice. And then if you have any idea of where you want to practice, what kind of specialty if it's, I knew I wanted to be in the courtroom. So I knew I wanted to be a litigator. I didn't want to be in the office dealing with contract work. I like people, I wanted to be around people. So the school, we all get the same degree. Uh, some schools clearly are, are, are more, have more prestige than others, but the piece of paper at the end of the day is pretty much all the same. So I say, don't go broke going to law school, try to get some scholarships. Uh, again, look at where you want to live, look at the type of law you want to practice and see what, what school is best for that. So uh, I, I love my law school. I love the fact I wasn't a morning person. I went to school full time, but my law school allowed me to go full time in the evening. So it was great for me. I never had to get up early and I went to class every day from six to nine, but it worked for me. So that was just a little perk for me. So it's the little things. It's the little things that have a big difference. So figure out where you wanna live, what type of law you think you might wanna practice, what school is really great with that. Remember, don't go broke. Uh, you wanna make sure you can live uh, after, after you graduate and just uh, make sure you like the schedule and the layout of the school. So. Just, those are just my my two cents on that. What's the LSAT like? Oh, the LSAT it is it's it's a pain, um, like mo most standardized tests. Uh, I, I'm not a fan of standardized tests, but the LSAT is it's a lot of prep work because when you go to law school, you think completely different. Uh, I teach paralegal uh, studies at Eastern Gateway, and I tell students it's a totally different experience from the first day of undergrad, your college experience, because you go to law school and you have read your homework because you have homework before the first day of class. And it's kind of like walking in the class and the professor will walk in and you've never met them before. And they'll say, um, Carla Baldwin, can you please stand up and tell me what the holding of this case is? And what did we learn in this case? And you're standing up in a room of anywhere from 50 to 300 people, depending on the law school, and you're getting questioned and that's called the Socratic method. So the LSAT teaches you how to think differently, which prepares you for college. But after you take the LSAT, nobody talks about it ever again. <laughs> until right now. Until right now, until Jeremy quizzes me. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we have so many great questions here. Okay. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna scroll through. Uh, Isabel Burr asks, uh, how has being in law helped you grow as a person? Oh. It's helped a lot, Isabel, because you know what? I, I get to see so many people and I get to hear so many stories. And this is why you will hear me stress over and over and over again, no matter how many times you hear me speak, that to do this kind of work requires you to have a heart for people. Because what happens in this seat is you get to learn the story of individuals. So you may see a news clip of somebody doing something horrible, but I get to read the report about what happened when they were growing up and how life was for them and the things they didn't have and some things that they lived through. And so that helped me be a more sympathetic judge, uh, which does not mean I, I let everybody out that I never lock anybody up, no. It just means I, I lead with compassion and I judge with compassion and understand that, that people are fighting battles we know nothing about. And so to all my young people who are watching, um, you all have the ability to, to to determine the culture of your school or the programs that you are in by how you treat people. And so it, it's taught me to be kinder. It's taught me to be more patient. It's taught me to be more understanding. 
I've met some amazing people. If I wasn't in the seat, I don't know when I would have met Jeremy. And people say, well, well, what's the big deal? Because I like meeting good people. And that's been one of the coolest things. I was on the panel last week uh, with a group of individuals, primarily out of Cincinnati. And there was a new judge on that panel. She's only been on the bench for about three weeks. And she sent me a, a thank you card and just an encouraging card to tell me how she appreciated being on the panel with me. I would have never known Judge Bloom if I hadn't had the opportunity. So it's given me so many opportunities and it's helped me be better because you can't want your community to be better when as a leader, you don't try to be better yourself. Very nice. Uh, Sophia Pringer asks, do your beliefs ever influence your verdict on a case? I'll say it, my belief is, is to treat everybody the way you want to be treated and, and to make sure justice is done. So yes, uh, we all have biases and, and to say we I don't or we don't, but I, I work very hard that when I sit in this seat and I make decisions because I'm in the very seat, I'm in my courtroom right now where I make these decisions that when I put that robe on and I take this seat, then I make decisions for justice. I don't make decisions for Carla. Uh, so Carla stays in the office and, and justice has to come out here, wear the robe. So it's hard, but my, my reminder to myself is to always remember what's being required of me. And if I'm sentencing somebody, then my, my job is to be fair and to be individualized and not to treat the person in front of me like the last person I sent it, sentenced, but to give that person the utmost respect and consideration of the facts of their case and look at what the ultimate outcome is, which again is justice, I'll keep saying, because it's not pretty and it's not easily defined. But Carla has to stay in the office and, and justice has to take, take a seat. So I try to be conscious of those biases and preferences, but my belief is everybody deserves to, to get respect when they walk into this courtroom. So. I try to live by that. Okay. And I know that uh, we had this set for a 110 stop time, but I, there's some really good questions here. Judge, can I squeeze a few more minutes of your time to go through a few more I, of these questions? I, I'm good. I, I don't have court this afternoon, so I'm good as long as you're good, Jeremy. All right. We'll see how many more we can get in. Okay. Uh, Deanna Smith asks, uh, how do you take in all the information from the court case to come up with your verdict or your ruling? Well, you, you look at the charge. You, what I do is typically, what is the what charge are, are we talking about? Are we talking about an assault? Are we talking about an offensive violence? Are we talking uh, about something where I have to be concerned about the safety of the community? Then there are other cases where the, the driver, the motivation for the offender committing the crime is there may be a substance use or mental health disorder. And then I look at what help have they been offered? Um, have they been offered treatment? Have they been offered housing? Have they been offered support? Uh, and, and then I try to look at, do we have a victim? Do we have a victim who, who is present that wants, uh, who wants to tell me how they feel? And a lot of times you may be surprised how many victims come in the court and say, I don't want that individual to go to jail. I just want them to get help. So that helps me. And I try to be very fair and clear with, with the offender and, and let them know that I, I make no money or bonus points for, for you going to the county jail. Um, so my goal is that you never serve a day. And if I have to send, sentence you to jail, then I want you to think on some things while you're there so that you never come back. So um, take into account the facts, the type of case, what the victim wants and what the offender needs because the goal again 
even if punished appropriately, that they don't come back. My goal is that you don't come back to see me. You're muted, Jeremy. Okay, Oops, I have, my bad. I, I have another, another student, Gianna, who has a question. Go ahead, speak. Um, have you ever made a wrong decision and what would it be like? Have I ever made a wrong decision? I probably have, Gianna, because I'm human. Uh, sometimes you, you give people a, a, a chance to, to be out and not go to jail. And sometimes they don't, they don't behave appropriately. And guess what? They end up back in front of me and they end up in jail anyway. And so some, sometimes the, mis the mistake is you give somebody a chance that doesn't deserve it. And then sometimes, you know, then there's the other risk that you lock somebody up that maybe, maybe they would have been okay if they went home. So it's a very hard job, Gianna. So what happens with that is that if I make a mistake with anything, if I make a mistake on a piece of paper, when I'm writing something, if I do anything, I try to own it and I encourage you all to do the same. If you make a mistake, it's okay because we're all human. You make it and then you say, what do I need to do to correct it? And so if I, if I sentence somebody to jail and they write me a letter or their attorney writes a letter and I'm moved to believe they deserve a chance, then guess what? There have been times when I give them an opportunity. And like I said, there are times I've let individuals out and they've proven to me that they do not need to be out and I have to say, okay, I gave you an opportunity. That was a mistake. And now you have to sit in the county jail. So um, those aren't easy decisions because again, that's restraining the life and liberty of somebody else. And I don't take that lightly, but if you make a mistake, I own it. If I make a mistake, I own it. And then try to correct it as quickly as possible. Thank you. Thank you. Emma has a question too. All right, Emma. Um. Who was your mentor or role model when you were growing up? Oh, I had so many. Uh, uh, my, my late pastor, Bishop Wagner, was a huge one because he taught me how to dream and the importance of being a dreamer and doing the hard work and doing my being my best at everything. My mother, who is one of my biggest cheerleaders, she is, she is, my, she is my bestie, uh, and she was also my principal for a long time, so she helped keep me in line and teach me to reinforce the importance of school. And now I have so many colleagues, so many judges who sit on the bench and now who I call all the time. If I don't know something, if I have a question, I call and say, hey, got a judge question, can you help me out? So it, it, I was really truly raised by a village of amazing people and my village keeps growing. And I always say, you should not be the smartest person in the room. So make sure your friends are smarter than you and you won't go wrong. And I'm thankful to have so many mentors along the way who helped make me into the person who I am today. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Um, I see a couple of questions here that are actually pretty similar. So I'm gonna ask them joined. Uh, first of all, has being a judge ever hurt you psychologically when you're trying to rest, like when you're at home and then, uh, the follow-up would be, what keeps you motivated going through everything? Uh, were there any times when you thought about giving up? All right. Well, it is. it, it does drain on you psychologically by doing this job. Like I said, uh, in addition just to my regular cases, there's the Veterans Court and, and there's my drug court docket, uh, which, are full, which are individuals who have been charged with a crime who, who battle with substance use disorders. And that's a huge thing. 
And then if any of you have family or friends who have been impacted by someone addicted to drugs, then you know how devastating that can be. And to see individuals fight for their lives uh, on, on a regular basis and you can't, you can't make them make the right choices, it's draining to see individuals in court who are just struggling and who, who stay stuck in this cycle, it's hard. And it's draining because when you love people, you care about them. And so what I've learned to do, again, I'm trying to be better every year. This is the beginning of my fourth year on the bench. And so what I'm doing a better job of is, is trying to compartmentalize and kind of leave it here and put all my efforts into to making sure we have top-notch resources for the people that come through these doors. And then when I get home, I like to kick back, get on my recliner. I've taken up a new hobby. So I'm working right now to keep, I want to be a, a plant person. Okay. Some people you hear cat ladies, I want to be a plant lady. And so far, since I've been on the bench, none of the plants that have been in my office have survived. So now I'm on a personal mission to keep plants alive. So I have a plant in my office and I have two new plants at home. And so I'm really trying hard to keep something other than my husband alive at home. So I hope you all wish me the best with that. And then I'm going to start walking this week with one of my girlfriends since the weather has turned. So just getting out, exercise, 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 and find something to take your mind off of everything. So gardening will be it this year for me. I'll take any plant tips you have. Okay. I've, I've really got some good ones, so I'll pass them along. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, someone asked what a typical day looks like for a judge, but it sounds like there really is no typical day. No, there is no typical day. Uh, like today, uh, because of COVID, after a person appears in court for their first appearance or their first time seeing myself, the other judge or magistrate, then all the negotiations to determine whether we can, they can reach a plea agreement or if we're going to have a trial, that all happens by phone now. So today was a telephone pretrial day. So my prosecutor that works in my courtroom, he's been talking to defense attorneys and to defendants all, all day about seeing how to resolve their cases. So I didn't have to come into court. So this is the first time I've been in my courtroom today was for, for this interview. So I got, got here early, uh, signed a bunch of cases, uh, a bunch of things I had to sign off on. And then I had to do some legal research today because I had had a hearing last week and I had to do some legal research to see if it was appropriate to send this case over to Common Police Court. That is a courthouse that handles all of the felonies. And after doing my research, I, I decided that the prosecutors had not met their burden and that case would not go over. So that was a good chunk of my morning uh, doing that type of research, but no day is the same. I'll be back in here tomorrow on the bench with some new cases and, and it's, it's never a dull day is what I often say. So no day is the same here. Very good. Uh, someone asked earlier, and um, not sure, I think not the question's still here or not, but I think it's uh, worth bringing up. Uh, oh, yes. Uh, Nicole asks, uh, what steps can someone take in middle school or high school to start preparing for a career as an attorney? Oh, I, I'm a fan of being in, in speech clubs, debate teams, that type of thing that teaches you how to think on your feet, have learning how to develop an argument and how to support it. So when I say debate, it's not people hollering at each other on, on the platform. It's really two different people with two different points of views expressing their thoughts and then providing arguments to support that thought. And so I, I'm a fan of that. 
I'm a big fan of public speaking. Uh, my first speech meet I engaged in when I was in the first grade. So I started speaking in public before I could develop a fear of it. And so many people have a fear of uh, speaking in public. And I recognize the reason that I don't. And I do get anxious before I have any speaking engagement, including today. That, that's, that's normal, but I don't fear it because I learned to develop that skill before fear could set in. So if you want to go to, to law school, those are two, two great areas where you can get involved in. You wanna make sure you're good at English because your writing often speaks for you because there are some days where I don't have hearings. I solely rely on the writings, the pleadings that attorneys submit to the court and I make my decision based on what they have submitted. So if the writing is poor, then that is going to negatively impact you uh, if, if, if you're the attorney. So English, communication and, and debate, get those things down. And then you, again, you can do whatever you wanna do, but you'll be, you'll be well off and at an advantage through your peers if you engage in this early. And I know earlier you shared the story about the gentleman, but uh, Mahela Radcliffe asks, uh, have you ever had a case that really impacted your life? Yes, uh, there have been, there've been so many, but I, I think collectively, I will say this, the special dockets, that's the veterans court and the drug court, it's different and, and we treat individuals differently because they are battling different situations. And for so many years, the course didn't have that as, as an option. And so now I believe there are 156 drug courts across the state. And so when you're able to see why somebody appeared in front of the court, then it impacts you. And, 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 and substance use and mental health are true battles that individuals face uh, so they made me more sensitive to the fact that people really need help. They need help. And yes, they've done bad things. That's why they're in front of the court. But if we can get them the help, we can turn their lives around. So for every graduation of every veteran and every drug court participant who says, I didn't know that my life could be like this. I didn't know that my life could be good. I didn't know I could have good relationships. That has impacted my life because that's why I work so hard. That's why I do so much. That's why I take time like this to speak to you all because what we do matters. What we do here at Young Time Union matters. What I do matters. And whenever I retire, even though I've got a long way away <laughs> to that so far away, but I really do want to leave this city, this valley better because I gave it everything I had. And I think that's what these cases have taught me that people need what's inside of me and the world needs what's inside of them. So if we both work to give our very best, then, then the world is better because we were here and, and that's why. So collectively, all everyone who has appeared in front of me has impacted me, but the participants on my special dockets, they have a special place in my heart because they've really pushed me to do more, be more because the need is definitely out there. Have you ever, ever had an, a, a scary or a frightening experience while sitting on the bench? Um, I, I have had, I've had some security issues. Uh, people don't like what you say. People don't like what you decide and sometimes they fixate on you. And so there have been uh, times when uh, security was, was heightened here um, because uh, of potential threat to me. And so uh, thankful for, for the response always. 
of law enforcement uh, who always make sure that do their very best to make sure that I'm safe. Um, I did have an individual one day literally bolt. I sentenced him to jail. Uh, my security officer did not have did not yet take him into custody, and he literally bolted out of the courtroom and down the steps. But thankfully, uh, he was stopped on the second floor of the building. So yeah, that was that was a wow. that was a shocking way to start the day. But that's the only time that that has happened since I've been here. But uh, yeah, it happens. I bet. I bet. Um, just going through the questions here. Uh, okay. So what would you say is the hardest thing you do on your job? Oh, the hardest thing are the things that people don't see. So uh, in addition to, <laughs> to the stuff that, you know, that, that people see with sentencing, I'm also in, in charge of the court itself. So I'm in charge of hiring, firing, discipline, safety, all those things, payroll, budget, not fun stuff, but when you, when you manage a, a multi-million dollar budget, then that's a lot of work. And, and so uh, just had my, my budget conversation uh, with the finance director, and that was a lot of prep work and a lot of time to make sure that the city understands all the good things that are here and make sure uh, we understand where the city is and just trying to make sure we're on top of everything. So the hardest parts of my job are often those parts that people don't see, because like I said, I'm on, I'm here from eight to four, but I'm really never off. So that's the hard part, but I love it. Has there ever been a case that's affected your opinion on the world? Hmm. I, I will say it in this respect, uh, the, the cases that I hear just concern me about the fact that life is not valued in the way I believe it should be, that people don't understand the power of their decisions. Your decisions determine your destiny. Uh, I can't say that loud enough. I can't scream that loud enough that people end up in front of me because of decisions that they made. I am in this seat because decisions that I made. So what is it? I don't feel better that I'm better than anybody who appears in front of me. But the, the difference is I made better decisions. And so what is disheartening sometimes and what's heavy that weighs on me is the fact that life is not valued, whether it's life of somebody that may be victimized or the life of the defendant who didn't recognize that you had the power not to end up in the county jail. You had the power not to end up in prison, but you didn't make a good decision. And so that has concerned me at times. And then there's those moments where you'll see a victim come in and say, you know, I just want this person to be better. And then it restores my, my, my faith and hope in humanity that we all have this joint goal of this community being better. And as we look inside ourselves and make better decisions of how we respond, that's how we get to better. So uh, it's a decision-making piece, be it good or bad, that I hope all of you students recognize that your decisions determine your destiny, your decision to go to class, your decision to be respectful, your decision to turn in your homework, your decision to study for a test. Those decisions determine whether or not somebody gets to make the decision whether you're, whether you're a good fit for college or whether you're a good fit for law school or medical school or for some advanced program, whether you're, whether you're a good fit for the military. It's all based on decisions. So Decision-making is huge, so make good decisions and, and your destiny will be great. 
And as far as decisions go, uh, I think we've touched on it a little bit before, but a couple similar questions is, uh, have you ever made a decision that maybe you regret to this day? Um, have you ever felt wrong about any of the decisions that you've made in the courtroom? I, I think uh, the best way to answer that is I've grown. And so some decisions I made at the time I believed was the, you know, was the right decision at the moment. But the longer you do this job, the, the, the better you become at it, that's the goal. And so then you make better decisions and sometimes you have better access to resources. So yes, there have been times that if I could go back and that's with almost every phase of life, I wish I had made a better decision and not that the, the initial one was wrong, but you just wanna make a better one, a different one. And so that's the beauty of this job. And that's the beauty of networking and connecting with other judges, with other CEOs and executives who lead agencies that provide support. Then you have the knowledge to know that there's a better decision or a different decision that's possible. So yes, I'm sure I, I, I would be lying if I said in the scene said, no, I never made a mistake or no, I never made a bad decision or there wasn't a better decision that could have been made. But that's the hard part of this job. It, it, is, it, it is the decision of the court. And like I tell my staff, when we know better, we do better. And so I'm committed to that myself. So working every day to make better decisions so that everybody uh, can be in a better position. Very good. And uh, I think we only have time for one more question. I know there's still okay. a few on the board, okay. um, but I, I want to make time for a group that I'm going to be speaking with after. Okay. Um, but the one question that I, I wanted to kind of finalize with here is something that you and I discussed uh, when I visited your office. I know we had a number of young ladies on the webinar today, as well as a number of young people of color. What advice would you give these young people who are interested in law and perhaps wish to pursue even a position of leadership such as yourself? I would say go for it, do it. I wanted to do this job since I was 12. I was 12 when I decided I wanted to become a judge and I didn't recognize that there had never been a black female who sat in this seat in Mahoney County. I didn't know that when I was 12 that it would take until the age of 37 and me uh, holding fast to my dream to, to break that glass ceiling and make it a reality. And so you do it. Nelson Mandela said it's always impossible until it's done. And I am a living, a breathing reminder of that fact. So anything that you have in your heart and mind to do, anything that you want to do, do it. Akron Beacon Journal just did a story a, a week or so ago that said, I believe of the 709 judges in the state of Ohio, only 56 identify as black. So only 8% of people who wear this robe as a judge in the state of Ohio look like me. And that's okay. I don't wanna be the only one. So I need a group of amazing, bright, brilliant individuals who will follow the trail that I have set and when you break that ceiling, when you do that thing, then what it is is that we all can win. We all can achieve, no matter what color you are, that anything is possible. Anything is possible, but you got to do the work. So you better believe I, I, I fought and I worked hard to get here. And it is my goal to build 
to hold the ladder for the next generation. So it's possible, it's not easy. I am often the only one who looks like me in many rooms in which I enter. And it's okay, I'm not ashamed because I'm proud to be a black woman. I'm proud to be a judge. I'm proud to be from Youngstown, Ohio. I'm proud to serve and it's okay. So you can do it too. If you ever doubt that it can be done, just remember me, no matter what field you wanna enter into, nobody had done it before I got here and, and it's possible. So I will be here cheering you on. So please reach out if you have any questions or ever wanna come and shadow when the world is safe and open, I'd love to see you in my courtroom. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you so much, Judge. And thank you very much for your time. Uh, this has been a fantastic conversation. Uh, thank you to the students uh, for all your wonderful yes. questions. Yes, you made my job infinitely easier. Um, and this has been fantastic. Uh, I hope everyone enjoyed uh, this installment of the Brain Gain Navigators program. There's plenty more coming down uh, the pike for the rest of the year. But for now, I think we're going to uh, uh, leave this one as it is. And uh, the video will be posted. Our conversation will be posted on the Business Journal website under the Brain Gain Navigators page. It will be still available for you to watch on the uh, JA Inspire virtual platform as well. Um, and then I have a whole mess of other videos that we got. Uh, whenever we went to go talk to the judge, we'll be putting those up on our website as well. So uh, keep your eyes up on that webpage. Uh, I'll be sure to send out as much information as I can about it. And uh, for now, Enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy the rest of your week. Judge Baldwin, thank you again for your time today. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today, because together we're building a culture of entrepreneurship and promoting workforce development. So if you like what you heard, please share it with a friend. And leave us a rating or review on your favorite podcast player. Your feedback is very important to us. We want to make the show better all the time. And if you would like to give me direct feedback, email me, please. My email is j-h-e-r-r-m-a-n-n at business-journal.com. Or you can find me on LinkedIn. And lastly, would love to thank the members of the Brain Gain Coalition. Those headline collaborators include Farmers National Bank, Sweeney Chevrolet Buick GMC, the Mahoney Valley Manufacturers Coalition, and Southwoods Health. And joining them are members of the coalition, including Eastern Gateway Community College, PNC Bank, the Moransky Companies, MCCTC, the Mahoney County Career and Technical Center, the Youngstown Business Incubator, Simon Roofing, the DeBartolo Corporation, Youngstown State University, and Junior Achievement of Mahoning Valley. Without them, none of this would be possible. So thanks again for joining us today. And remember, together we are building a culture of entrepreneurship and promoting workforce development.